Hello and welcome to uh, Mental Health and Entertainment <laughs> Episode Three. Yeah, that works. Good morning, I'm Matthew. <laughs> I'm Sebastian. This one's way less uh, formal. That's that's fine. I kind of like for it. Me. Yeah, I do I too. Like I don't. I don't really need to introduce myself to you anymore. I feel like you know me. Do and this, I, I would hope so. <laughs> We've been in quarantine a long time. We have been, dude. My hair is so long. I guess I haven't. But yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so, have you been, man? I know you've been kind of busy. I've been busy. We've all been busy. How you a been? Bit. Yeah. Uh, good. I'm. I'm. I was stressing out over that whole uh, registration deal, but because it was just so much, and I, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to get registered in time. Oh, yeah. Because I had to like. Basically, I had to email every single department that I wanted to register for or that I was even thinking about registering for. And by the time they even got back to me, a lot of the classes were full already. I'm like, I feel like they should have told me this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, either that or I wasn't paying attention at some point. But <laughs> I feel like I was paying pretty close attention. Uh, Definitely during, know that feeling. During orientation. So I don't know where I missed that information but whatever we figured it out it's all good well that's good yeah that's a that's a w in the books i guess yeah yeah i've been busy over here with back to school as well for my daughter getting her set up on the computer and then at work back to school's been crazy so it's it's been a hectic time yeah this weather man triple digits it was the worst time of year. Uh, I know. Yesterday was weird. I woke up and it was like seventy-eight degrees when I went outside. I was like, "What was it? Was it? Was it yesterday or was it the day before that it uh, rained?" Uh, mm, I think it rained overnight, and it was yeah. really cool. Yeah, in the morning. Nice. Whichever day that was, and it was really nice. Yeah, but it didn't last long enough. It really didn't, it, and then it just got, it got kind of humid, and yeah, and then you're like, okay, time to go to, back inside. <laughs> exactly, time to cuddle up to the AC again. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> well, that's uh, you know, when you're stuck inside, it's the perfect time to kind of do what this topic is about, and it's the perfect time to play an instrument, which I know you've been doing a, a bit of yes. lately, right? I have. So when I, I was in a band um, for, for the listeners, I was in a metal band uh, a while ago. And at the time it was like everything, like it was, it was everything to me. Right. And I, I put a lot of effort into it and I like went out of my way and, and like thought out like members of the band to, to form it. So like, it was a big deal to me. And I, it was like, the main inspiration I had for practicing because um, I play bass. Um, so after the band split up, it was like I had no purpose basically and I had to like rediscover my purpose and it took a long time, right? So in, in that time, I kind of fell out of 
playing music and that was like the time that I decided that I was going to go back to school uh, full time and uh, so I, I had just stopped playing music for like almost two years and then recently I want to say like in the last year year and a half I've been trying to get back into it and man I had to pretty much start over like from the beginning like all the basics and everything like technique and all that it was bad like <laughs> if you play music if you really love playing music don't let something like that stop you because even just a little bit of time off is gonna make a huge difference yeah i definitely i know that um when i read right around the time i turned 28 i was like by by 30 I've always wanted to learn guitar, but I, I told myself at 28, I was like, by 30, I want to be somewhere with it. And, you know, I tried uh, learning on my own. I tried doing guitar lessons weekly, but I wanted something more. And I just, I didn't have the time for it between work and family life. I just, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to yeah. find balance for it. And it was something for me that I wasn't immediately good at. And when I'm not immediately good at things, I tend to drop them. Man, when I, I'll, I'll tell you with, with learning an instrument, it's like that for everybody. Like whether you're an artist or not, if you're like trying to learn an instrument, that's, that's how it is. Like it's so hard to get past that yeah. instant gratification feeling and like having to push through for years even uh, like months to to years learning like the boring stuff the the shit that takes forever that's going to build up your technique and it's really hard to get past that part yeah i was i really enjoyed like the basics of it like i understood you know the strings and then i actually i finally had somebody explain it to me uh from a technical standpoint of you know based on your finger placement it pinches the string and because of the length of the string it resonates at a different frequency which is how you get a different note and that was yeah. everything like just actually having a scientific explanation really yeah helped me get somewhere with it and uh yeah it was just it was uh time and effort towards it and you know i tried a ton of different things i tried uh, rocksmith which was fun but i i feel like it kind of throws you into the songs it doesn't really teach you the basics and then I tried uh, like a 30-day free trial for, I think it's the, the website's masterclass. Uh, Tom Morello has a masterclass uh, one, and Tom Morello's always uh, been my favorite musician. Uh, I've seen him live twice, and his the, the guitar solo in uh, Like a Stone from Audio Slave was the first yeah. time like guitar really like touched me, like like had an effect on me, and I was just like, fuck i want to i want to do this like that that feeling was just insane and that was yeah. i don't know like 2002 2004 maybe um so that you know that was forever ago but it was still one of those things i never got around to getting a good guitar and then by the time i did it's like man i wish i would have done this sooner because they're not that expensive you can get a pretty decent guitar for you know one or two hundred dollars just something to yeah. learn on and so I have, I have two and I've, I've struggled with it. And it's something that to me is frustrating. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if like the scientific 
part of it helps you like get more interested and you know you can always look more into that music like learning to play music is like it's math it's yeah. science uh like it's all these things it, it comes the artistic part comes after you've learned like timing and technique and you know like um even even learning like the the type of wood or the type of strings um that the pieces that that make up the guitar like is is gonna make a big difference and that was one thing also that that when i was learning really um interested me and, and kind of helped me through that beginning stage was because there's so much that goes into like even just like the craft of making the instrument is is ridiculous yeah that's that was something that really drew me to guitars i love just like walking through guitar center and looking at guitars yeah. because they're not only are they a piece of art in themselves but they're a functioning piece of art to make more art like it's just it's it's artception it's yeah. art that makes art <laughs> artistically i i yeah guitars are are beautiful i love just the look at them like if if i could i would probably just collect i would probably just collect guitars uh just based on how some of them look mm -hmm. damn i should have got my 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 uh, acoustic my friend who plays acoustic guitar yeah i should have got him as a as a guest as a guest yeah that would have been a good <laughs> we'll we'll have to we'll have to come back to this cuz yeah i i have yeah, a sure. I'm I'm learning on an acoustic Epiphone. Um, what uh, what what drew you to bass? Because I I just kind of ended up with like rhythm guitar, um, but I find bass interesting. I mean, did you do you like the structure uh, of it more or the? So originally, like I, I had tried. My parents were always like trying to get me and my brother to play music. We tried like piano at one point. It was like violin and then Ooh. guitar, yeah. like classical guitar. Nice. And violin then, in a rock band is just a different level of awesome. Yeah, yeah man. Um, violins are so versatile. Like people, I feel like it, it's it's uh, underrated. Yeah, um, I, I can definitely agree with that. But um yeah so like none of those things kind of stuck and then one time in middle school my friend two of my friends were like hey we should start a band and i'm like i don't play anything and <laughs> one of them like kind of just started playing guitar electric guitar and he's like i'm playing i'm learning to play guitar you should learn to play drums and you should learn to play bass i'm like Oof. okay so I'm like, you know, that might, that might be uh, kind of interesting. Maybe maybe I'll uh, give it a thought. And I mentioned it to my parents, and they got me a starter bass. And um, the band never happened, but I started learning to play bass with my friend who started learning to play drums at the same time. Um, nice. Shout out to Jonathan. Um, but it, it was really, I think it was the fact that I had somebody so close that was also learning at the same time 
to play mm-hmm. the drums because bass and drums like in in music like in a band are like they they tend to follow the same yeah they like, they have to be locked in like really well like the the bass i think they say is the backbone of the band and the drums is like the heartbeat or something like that um, sounds accurate so like they have to be really i mean obviously the whole band has to has to be locked in if you're gonna sound proper but um you know it was it was it just helped me a lot you know learning um with the with the drum helped me with timing as well obviously and rhythm and just like kind of learning to groove off of off of a, a drummer versus like off of a guitarist or a singer or whatever yeah so i think that was also a lot of the where the interest uh lied and and helped me uh you know practice more very cool interested yeah trying to learn it like by myself in my office is always you know because that's always where it ends up being or with rocksmith it was in front of the tv um yeah, but like you i have said to play with other people yeah i think that's that's something i've always you know known <laughs> is is an important aspect of it but never really had that opportunity to do yeah. and I, I know a, a couple of guitar players um like my buddy patrick and um I'm blanking on names right now. I don't know. <laughs> I know a couple of people. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Your, your uh, other buddy, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. My other buddy. No. Uh, um, my buddy, Eric from work, uh, another guy from work, Devin. Um, yeah. yeah. I know a lot of like, you know, people that are good with uh, instruments and uh, music. Eric does some cool sampling and, and does a lot of like keyboard stuff as well. Um but yeah, it's just, I mean, he's got a family too. And with quarantine, it's hard to get near anyone. Um, but yeah, just finding that time to like get together and stuff. And I mean, they're, they're, you know, way beyond my level. So it's like, I don't have anyone to learn with as well. Uh, but I did both mm-hmm. this year. Um, yeah, but earlier this year I did, you know, looking into the master class, and I even, I was looking online at what, musicians recommended as a place to learn and one of them recommended a website called guitar tips and so i started their 30-day free trial and then for a little bit um vans family their you know app thing every time you buy a pair of vans or a shirt or a backpack or some sunglasses or whatever uh, you get points and then they were doing a thing where you could enter for like free Fender guitar lessons. And I, I entered into that thing. You know, I basically like wiped out my points and I never, I never got an email saying I won, which is really disappointing. Cause I was really, that would have been something great to take up for quarantine. Um, yeah. I think in a, in an interview, I think it might've been, I think it might've been Tom Morello that was saying, you know, this is the perfect time to practice an instrument. And if you are going to practice an instrument, you should be practicing for like eight to 10 hours a day. Um, which according to this instrument, not instrument, which according to this study, I found playing an instrument is actually really good for your mental health. And, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to, you know, can I ask you, did you, for you, did it, was it something that helped you? I mean, did it help with 
any sort of like stress or tension or, or was it something that was stressful? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel like it is now, you know, um, uh, having experience, not, uh, practicing for as long as I did and having to go back to basics, um, it kind of reminded me of like how, how, like how difficult it is at the start. Mm -hmm. And like you, you completely forget after you get to a certain point and like you move on, you're making your, your music and everything. Like you completely forget how difficult it is like when you're starting. And um, the only, the only other way that, that you can, you can remember in my experience is either don't practice for a long time and try to play again or um, teaching somebody. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'd say like, like at, at, after you get past that, that certain point, it, it becomes easy. Like you don't think about it and it's just like, um, unless maybe you're doing it for a job and you like have to produce music and you like hit a block or something, um, then it's, it just becomes your art. You know, it's, it's just like, let me, let me just mess around I mean, just make something, whatever I like, you know, always, always be recording and whatever you like, you keep it. And if not, you move on and it's, it's very free. So I guess to answer your question, yeah, I would say after you get past the, the beginning stages that that's stressful for everybody, it does become very freeing. And it, it, uh, I think the, the way I describe it the most often is uh, rewarding. Like you have such a, a sense of accomplishment after like when you get to that point and uh, a lot of people, this is what me and my, me and my friend Christian talk about all the time. Um, it's because a lot of people don't want to push past that, that um, difficult part, but they don't realize that just like just past it is, is this incredible feeling of, of like self-accomplishment. You know, it's like, damn, I did that. And now I can do this and now I can do this. You know, it's like you go back and you, and you think about it or you listen to old recordings or your old music or, you know, whatever. It, it just feels so good. And, it it absolutely helps like you just makes you so happy because you know this is like your creation and you worked hard for it and now it sounds good and now you can make more of it you know and it's like and uh from that if you want you can teach people to get past that that hump in the beginning and then you can make them feel good which in turns uh, in turn makes you feel better because you used what you learned and what made you feel good to help other people, you know? So there's like so many different ways off of music as an art form that, that you can, uh, that, that will help with, you know, feeling better about yourself and helping other people feel better about themselves. Just, based off of that and it's yeah 
absolutely it, it helps a lot that's awesome yeah um i've always i mean i it, went on a rant there but, <laughs> no it's good man that's that's uh i think that's a really like good honest answer um you know i've i've felt that feeling of accomplishment from it is it, it's a feeling of accomplishment from creating something um i i could I can only imagine what it's like to create something musically. I mean, I'm a huge fan of music and wanting to learn to play music. Um, at this point, I, I can't even imagine how rewarding it would be to create a piece of music. I mean, the best I ever got at was I kind of, I mastered the guitar solo of where is my mind by the pixies on <laughs> Rocksmith, which is, it's hard. Nice. It's a lot of, it's a lot of the low strings and it's a lot of switching back and forth. And it's, I know, yeah you know, one of, one of my biggest problems is, um, it's not, it's not hand eye coordination, but it is like my brain sending the signals to my hand. Like I, I have a very hard time, which I don't understand. Yeah, it is timing. Yeah. But that's, I'm, that's what it is. I'm fucking awesome at like video games. Like I can, yeah. you know, hit 12 <laughs> different buttons with a series of like three fingers. I mean, dude, I've been dominating mortal Kombat recently. And so like, Oh man, you know don't tell me that we gotta... <laughs> i know once yeah. i once i get playstation online but uh i mean yeah you know like i can i can memorize button combos and stuff and i'm like why can't i why can't i get down like chords i mean i know i i should in my mind it should translate but uh i think it's just it's one of those yeah. things that's that's the that's the math side and um, I, I know you you don't like math too no, much. <laughs> I kind of suck at math. I so I use a calculator for addition and subtraction some days because I can't. Yeah, that's that's the part of music where where like when you're learning technique and rhythm, you actually have to sit there and count. Like you, that's why you have to uh, play like a metronome. Yeah, when you're because you're, Cause you know, learning something. Your time signatures, because, right? Your your four four and your three four. Right. If you if you're like slightly off, like even the slightest amount off, it's gonna throw the whole thing, and you know you're gonna get frustrated. But yeah, that's that's the that's the part. It's fractions. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> Unfortunately, it's fractions. And counting, I hate fractions. <laughs> I hate fractions so much. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend not to think about it. <laughs> think about it that way. That's fair. It's no, I, I, I do think of it as like an art, yeah. you know, creative process. And I know, Make, Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I know, you know, you can't really apply that. Like some people say there's like a, you can apply math to painting or drawing um, or sculpting, you know, I know there is a, a math to it, but I, I feel like those are, a little more freeing or even like writing not necessarily math but there's a lot of rules to other forms of art like writing poetry and music and stuff mm -hmm. um or you know lyrics not the actual musical part of it sure. but you can eventually you can kind of mold lyrics around uh, time signatures yeah but yeah, yeah. seeing uh, it as a math form that makes it a little more my my friend, I have a friend who has recently decided to try and commit to learning to play guitar, and he has an acoustic. Mm -hmm. I, I've I invited him over, and you know, like he he's just learning, so he knows like a few chords, 
and he's he's Doing getting better than me. Okay. He's <laughs> he's. I mean, he he practiced like for a few months, and he like I gotta say he's he's killing it. It doesn't take a lot. It's just like you just you just have to do it. You know? Yeah, like, I I know people equate it to like it's a muscle. You just you have to keep right. You have yeah, to keep working at it. Art's the same way. I mean, most you know right. It's most like artists draw, explain. You yeah, draw a circle. Like yeah, you got to draw a circle 2, a lot. Times, then, you know, you're not going to think about it as much when you fucking draw a circle. You're just going to throw it on the page. It's the same thing. Like when you play a certain chord two million times, you know, you're not going to think about it. Your hand is just going to go there and it's going to be that same shape. And then you're just going to play it. Yeah, muscle but, memory. Um, anyway, uh, he he came over and he's, he's really, he really struggles with um like rhythm and timing right mm -hmm. and he came over and i did like this little uh, i wouldn't say an exercise just kind of like a little thing to show him like how easy it actually is to like write music and i just had him play like the the most comfortable chord that he could play to a certain to like a basic four four just like a normal beat mm -hmm. right and then on the bass, I would place something similar in the same uh, in the same chord. Yeah, and it it we wrote a song. And I was like, "There you go, dude. You just you just wrote a song. How do you feel?" And it's like, "Oh my god, like <laughs> that's that's all it takes. It's just like one simple chord, you know. Like if if that's gonna make you feel good and like encourage you to practice more, then that's all it takes. You know, you just get together with one person, play something super simple." You know, you never thought that you could make a song like that, and then you do, and you're like, "Damn, that was easy." And you keep practicing. Damn, we might have to do that because that sounds way better than just yeah, sitting in my office by myself. Because I, I still think I am going to do one of those programs I was talking about, either Fender or Guitar Tricks or Masterclass. I do want to do one of those to kind of get down the basics, but yeah, getting and getting to a point to playing with somebody was always a, a goal of mine. Yeah. Um, my friend, uh, Christian who plays acoustic, he's pretty open to, to playing with other, uh, with other people. So even if you, if you want to get in contact with him, you know, he would be more than happy to, to, uh, probably teach you a few things and play with you. And, you know, the same goes for me. Yeah. yeah. Both of those sound, on, so. sound like great options. But, um, so, uh, did you? I, I didn't know if you had more. I was going to... No, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just going to say that, um, so um, almost immediately after I read that article, um, I, I strangely found another article of how much um, musicians suffer from mental health struggles and i was i was trying to figure it out and the only thing i guess i could kind of equate to it was and something it was kind of you touched on earlier was at some point i guess when it becomes a requirement or when it becomes something where it's um yeah like a job yeah like a job it becomes more uh stressful and, and less productive for your mental health and i actually reading this um, article it, it I think the the first one I found was talking about um, 
mental health struggles with musicians. And then when I looked it up uh, for more information, I found musicians that have openly talked about their mental health struggles. And then another article I found actually talked about why there are mental health struggles. And I didn't realize a lot of it comes from uh, isolation. You know, when you're on tour, apparently yeah. there's a lot of isolation and that's you know, being away from friends and family. Yeah. And friends, family, and- loved ones. Um, another one was drug use. You know, apparently according to this, uh, there's just a readily available amount of drugs and a lot of musicians get addicted to drugs. And, and I've actually, you know, doing a little bit more research, a lot of people tend to use drugs for self-medication and at some point, you know, your body build does tolerance to drugs and you're doing more. And actually that was one thing that, um, you know, we were talking last week about uh, Chris Cornell's daughter, Lily. Uh, one of her most recent episodes, she had uh, Duff McKeegan on from oh, Guns cool. and Roses. Yeah. And he was talking, I, I think the quote for the segment was that he was, drinking something like a gallon of vodka a day. Jeez. Yeah. Um, that, you know, and, and as I was doing more research, uh, you know, uh, Lane from uh, Alice in Chains mm-hmm. was really, you know, big into drugs. I mean, Chris Cornell. Um, yeah. A lot of famous musicians that died from drug overdoses or suicide resulting from drug use uh, you know fairly famous people like Kurt Cobain Whitney Houston uh, Janis Joplin Jimi Hendrix um, even you know the lead singer of the Cranberries uh, Dolores Arriridan um, she I think she actually drowned to death in her bathtub but they found that her blood alcohol level was something like you know, at 0.08 is the legal limit. And I think they found her at like 1.8, which Jeez. meant for like her weight, she had drunk so much alcohol and she had also been taking um, medication for, I think she was actually officially diagnosed as bipolar. And that's one of the worst things you can do is, is take, yeah. uh, you know, anxiety and depression medication <laughs> with alcohol. And I think that's led to a lot of issues. I mean, even... I think I read, uh, I want to say that's what happened to a VC, I think. Was uh, he, I, that might be wrong, but. Um, I don't know. You know, yeah, it just, uh, those are some of the more recent high profile uh, deaths slash suicides resulting from uh, issues with, depression and and mental illness. And um, even just recently, I think a day or two ago, uh, Lily's most recent video is talking to Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Sweet. I know, man, she's got Duff McKeegan and Eddie Vedder and like psychiatrists and stuff. And then, you know, over here, it's like uh, you, me and and Tori on that one episode. So she's, (laughs) she's crushing it. Um, but they're, they're really, they're really great episodes and, uh, they're 
I mean, some of them are hard to listen to, but I definitely shows there's, there's a large issue with mental health and especially in, in the music industry, music, which is an industry that does not have access to a lot of healthcare. Um, you know, a lot of musicians when, when they're in that starting out phase, you know, a lot of people are still working jobs to support themselves and that may provide some sort of health care. But I think, and I know with this whole COVID-19 and people losing jobs, there's been a, a big push about how uh, health care shouldn't be tied to employment status because a lot of people are losing jobs and a lot of people take underpaying jobs just to have access to health care because healthcare is so expensive on its own. It's, I mean, it's almost impossible to get healthcare on your own. That's any sort of decent. I mean, even, even the healthcare I have, we have like a $2,000 deductible and, you know, ER visits are a high price and, and some medications like my, my Stratera for my ADHD, that's a, a $98 bottle of pills but you can go mm-hmm. onto GoodRx and get a coupon for $50, which that makes me, I have no idea how the healthcare industry works when you can just download a coupon from the internet and get it cheaper than what you're paying with health insurance. Like this, <laughs> I, I don't get it. So, um, you know, musicians that are at that point where they're no longer working a regular day job, but they haven't made it to the multi-million dollar you know, radio billboard status, a lot of those musicians don't have access to healthcare. And fortunately, I know here in Austin, we do have the Health Alliance for Austin Musicians. It's a a healthcare resource that has been working to get musicians healthcare since 2005. And I think a lot of that is you know, I think it's like two steps above like crowdfunding basically. And the fact that that's how healthcare works in some places is just almost ridiculous in my opinion. But, you know, I'm a part-time college student. So what do I know about our <laughs> financial economy and shit? But I just, that seems crazy to me that, you know, these are these are people that are openly struggling with healthcare issues, and and a lot of them have talked about it, and it's a very common thing. But a lot of people just can't get the help they need, and a lot of it is either tied to a level of income, or you know, if you're lucky enough to have parents that keep you on their health insurance. I think a while back they changed the age limit where you can stay on your parents till you're like twenty. 23 or 25, um, you know, just making one generation dependent on another. So it just, it all seems problematic, but it's, it's kind of weird to think that between playing it in a recreational sense and then playing it in a professional sense, you can take something that's enjoyable and really have it lead to mental health issues. But I feel like that might even be applicable to any sort of hobby. I mean, at some point, if your if your interest becomes 
more of a demand instead of a, an outlet, it can change your perception of it. That's why I enjoy uh, my soulless task of a job uh, sitting at the computer making cost proposals that'll <laughs> never be an art form. <laughs> yeah, the, I was watching this video, uh, this YouTube video from this. Um, I, I I guess this is my uh, my my creator shout out. Um, his name is Alex Hefner. Uh, he does uh, reaction. He used to be a, a hip hop head, right? He grew up listening to mostly hip hop mm -hmm. and rap. Um, and he started this channel for reacting to rock and metal to like with an open mind. Yeah. Um, instead of like criticizing it or, or allowing, um, you know, uh, other people to decide for him what he should listen to, whatever. Um, he does a great job. You know, he's, he's, he's funny, but uh, he always keeps an open mind. And he, I really like his, uh, um, like he kind of looks at the music as a whole instead of just like what he hears initially, initially, or what he sees in the music videos. Okay. Um, and anyway, his his kind of whole deal is um, to to be positive, you know. Uh, like in his outro, he says, uh, don't let anybody throw shade at you. You know, always be positive. And it's like, hey, if you're having a bad day, let, let me take that away from you with this video. Let me be like your, your um, joy, I guess, in the video. Like, just forget about the world for like the next few minutes. And um, I like that that he does that but in this video that he that i was watching actually earlier today he was um talking to this band uh from ashes to noon and he okay. he was uh or the the one of the guys in the band was saying how um politics basically he says politics takes the fun out of everything like when you're in this band you're like making this music or this music video um if you weren't if you if you if they weren't if if basically if they didn't belong to a record label they could do whatever they want who cares but since they're you know under this record label they have to constantly be thinking okay is this okay can we say this? Can we show mm -hmm. this in the video? And that's the kind of thing that I guess we're, we're or that, that um, you're kind of talking about where like it becomes a job and you have to constantly like be thinking about it versus just letting the creativity flow and allowing it to be an art, you know, and that, that kind of thing like really affects the, the work and you know in fact it affects the artwork to its yeah. core it's like yeah i know a lot of bands have like, opted to go away from major labels because yeah. of things like that and i think um you know crowdfunding is a good way to kind of remain independent from those things and and it's unfortunate because for a while there was a company called pledge music that was really 
good at that. They were, they were intended to be a place for musicians to put out their stuff. And, and you know, it was set up like a Kickstarter, you know, you can for this much, if you give them, you know, $10, you get a CD. If you give them 20, you get a t-shirt. If you give them 30, you get the CD and the t-shirt. But if you give them like $400, you get original handwritten lyrics or, if you give them like a thousand dollars, they'll do, uh, you know, a, a private event for you. Or if you give them like ten thousand dollars, they'll. There, there they'll, needs to be like a band or a musician or something that needs to like start their own version of that. So that was kind of the thing. Was it was started by musicians, pledge music, uh, but then the record labels and then the record industry executives, someone got in there and and got to the top of it and uh that that whole company now just went down in flames and they actually they screwed over one of my favorite bands uh failure this really cool space rock band from the the mid 90s um they they officially like broke up in 97 but uh maybe you know half a decade ago or so maybe maybe five to ten years or so ago uh, they kind of got back together and, and they did a lot of stuff through Pledge Music and they did a lot of their albums through there. And it really was just a way for, you know, fans to give money to the band that they wanted to see succeed. And I, I pledged yeah. a lot to them. I got autographed records. Um, people were getting, you know, signed drum heads and lyrics and microphones it really was this cool platform and then it became all corporate-y and then it went down in flames and now really you're kind of stuck between Kickstarter and Indiegogo and I know neither one of those is really great for music. Those are more dominated by like art projects. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of musicians are, are moving towards Patreon. Um, I know mm-hmm. a lot of artists and, you know, streamers and, um, uh, pretty much any news affiliates, you know, people that do news shows on YouTube or Twitch or uh, Facebook. A lot of people, a lot of creative types have had to switch to a system like that for Patreon because everybody wants a part of something. And then the more people that get involved, the less creative freedom you have. And yeah, it can really, from everything I've seen from this research, these, articles and stuff. I mean, a lot of it, it really just takes the, the joy out of art. And I think that's probably leading to issues here, like anxiety and depression. I mean, I'm sure a lot of those are pre-existing as well, but when you're trying to maintain fan base, when you're trying to maintain relevance, uh, you know, keep a, a steady income you know, relationships between uh, friends and family, band members. I mean, I there's, you know, thousands of bands that end up breaking up because the band members can't get along. And those really are people that you see almost to a point of family members. And then, you know, lifelong relationships are lost because of creative differences, which is the, you know, blanket term yeah. for it. But really it's, you know, I'm gonna punch you in the face because I hate you <laughs> at this point. <laughs> So it, it sucks because, you know, as a, as a fan of music, I mean, music for me is something that's really uh, affects me and my mood. You know, if I'm 
trying to focus on something, I'll listen to instrumental things. If I'm feeling down, I'll try to listen to upbeat music. If I'm feeling upbeat and I really want to feel more upbeat, I'll put something that's like high tempo on. Um, yeah. So oh, that's, we should have another, uh, another discussion like that. Um, like the kind of language of, of music, and the, the like how, how the style affects um, your emotion, but also your emotion affects the, the style. I've, I've read studies about that. And I've also, I know that there are major chords and minor chords and I've mm-hmm. seen. Just, yeah. Major, people, minor, diminished. There's, yeah. I've seen people that have said a lot. when things are in minor chord, they tend to be more depressing. And then a lot of times you can take something that's played in pre- predominantly a minor chord. And if you play it in a major chord, it significantly changes the, the feel of the song. And like, yeah, that blew me away. I didn't understand that until like I actually heard it. Yeah. And that, yeah, that would, um, that would be a great discussion. Cause a that, lot of that, that stuff is, I, I, I teeter on the edge of like understanding it, but. Yeah, that would be a great discussion to, to have a Christian on. That I'm sounds like a great sure idea. He'd have plenty to say about that. Yeah. We should definitely do more on this topic. I mean, I think, you know, just even between the two of us, music is such a big part of both of our lives that yeah, I I can only assume that we will continue to talk about music. This isn't going to be something we end and then never go back to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. From our last discussion, you know, we started out with comic books and then we eventually transitioned into Mortal Kombat. But uh, <laughs> at that time, I had not finished Mortal Kombat and I now have, but I've finished aftermath and the last i think we talked you hadn't played aftermath yet had you i hadn't played it but i watched the somebody play it It, do you know how aftermath ends yes okay so when you were telling me you know that there's an ending yes major spoilers for mortal kombat 11 at least the main storyline so when you were telling me aftermath yeah okay yeah okay we'll go into aftermath so major spoilers up to the end of aftermath so when you were telling me that it has an ending when i got to that ending i'm like holy shit like lou kane has fire thunder this is crazy yeah and then you know the 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 fight with chronica ends and Liu Kane is then like you see Raiden as a mortal and you're like what the fuck is going on yeah, yeah. and like he like Liu Kane is now Fire Lord Liu Kane and yeah. attempting to rewrite history and I would have been okay with it just ending there I'd be like okay Mortal Kombat 12 yeah uh, 2023 or whatever <laughs> yeah, right. we'll see how it goes uh, but then I was like, well, I still have Aftermath. I know this is not a definitive ending, which I, I can't... What could possibly go right? wrong? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I can't imagine someone, you know, having beat Mortal Kombat and then been like, okay, this is cool. That's that's how it ended. And then, like, Aftermath comes out and you're like, oh, shit, there's more. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's a it's a okay ending. I mean, it's not, like... I wasn't expecting, like, everything's fixed. And the base game? Yeah. Yeah. You know, by the end of it, I, I, for a while, I, as the story went on, I was like, oh, you know, the the game's going to end and Raiden's going to get the crown and fix everything. And then, you know, uh, 
Sonya's going to be alive again because there's no way they're going to kill off the main character and, you know, everything will be good and, and peachy. And then it's like, yeah, you get to the end of it and you're like, okay, wow, Liu Kane is this god and he's <laughs> rewriting time. All right, cool. Yeah. So if I, ha- if I had finished it prior to knowing Aftermath was out, I would have been like, all right, no, yeah, that's fine. But then having Aftermath, I'm like, where can this go? And then yeah. fucking Shao Kahn... Who, Shang Sun. Shang Sun. God damn it. Yes. Yeah, I mix him up too. Yeah. All the time. Shang Sun. I'm like, okay, I know him. He was originally like the bad guy from Mortal Kombat 1. Yeah. Not a, you know, not a surprise. But then it turns out, like, yeah, he's like 13th in line for bad guys because there's just a, you know, that guy that Raiden was torturing at the end of 10. And then there's. Oh, Shinnok. Yeah, there's Shinnok, and then there's uh, Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn. And then there's Kronika. And then, Kronika, uh, yeah. Geras and yeah. all of Who was the ones. one that, um, or was that Shinnok that was the one that killed uh, Sub-Zero? No, Scorpion's family, and then... Uh, Quan Chi. Quan Chi, see? Can't keep him straight. So yeah, there's, yeah. you know, I always thought... Shang Tsung was like the bad guy, but it turns out he's like one of 15. So seeing him back, I was like, oh, cool, yeah. he's back. And then it's like, all right, Fujin, no idea. Oh, okay, he's Raiden's brother, I guess. Cool. Yeah. And then you're like Nightwolf, and you're like, all right, this guy's cool. Uh, I don't know anything about him. Googled it really quickly. Like, should, oh, he's a you fan play favorite. The, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, well, I don't know if the character tower, towers will will tell you yeah definitely look them up if you don't know because they, all these characters have so much like overlapping uh stories yeah and, uh, um yeah so yeah so I, I i read about him you know fan favorite and like he i know through so throughout the story of aftermath he talks about uh the sacred being or the guiding light or something like so he has some sort of Uh, belief that's different from the the high council or i can't even remember the elder gods the elder gods yeah (laughs) yeah he's a he's a shaman basically yeah he's a shaman and um it's said that he is the uh the fiercest um one because the night wolf is a is a mantle right it can be passed Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, so then the the powers get passed along, um, but it's supposedly it said that he's the the strongest one, the the fiercest one. Very cool. Yeah, so, you know, made it through Aftermath and like, you know, just like any other time travel thing, because they went back and then they're at a point and they changed the events. But then like Liu Kang goes back and then he's able to go back to his end time. So it doesn't, I don't know. It, I, I feel like instead of it being a kind of uh, shifting timeline, it, I guess it kind of like created alternate timelines. Yeah. But then, you know, wh- however it happens, so, Luke Kane ends up with the crown. Yeah. And then, oh, go on. So he, um, uh... Or Shang Tsung basically says, hey, you can't do that. You can't rewrite time without the crown. Yeah. Um, 
so Liu Kang's like, okay, go get it, basically. Yeah. But then uh, lies to him and says that like he can't yeah. go get it, and then right. does actually go get it, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if he could have just gone and gotten it, <laughs> like. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. There was like some reason that Shang Tsung like knew where it was, and only he could. Yeah, it's because it. like it was his at it. his island in the right. fountain. So so it's like go get it and then shang sung's like sweet i'm gonna go get it i'm gonna use it against them and then when he gets back he's like yeah i knew you were gonna use it against yeah me. <laughs> like let's go come on yeah I so then hand it yeah, you fight him all is yeah. good and then and then you get to the end of aftermath and it's like okay Liu Kang is still a god and then he's looking for a champion yeah and he picks um his cousin Kung uh, Lao. Kung That's Lao. His friend. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's his. Fr- I thought it was his cousin for some no, reason. No, it was his friend. So he picks so, Kung Lao, and it's like so. Well, that's that's a true reboot right there. Yeah. Well, it's no. I wouldn't say it's a true reboot. It 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 is a reboot, but they did it in a way that that just like flows. Like it just makes sense. Oh, it definitely so, like, works. Like he he is always being so close uh friends with with kung lao kung lao's ancestor was uh a um uh what do you call it an elder god no he was a a champion champion. he was a champion of uh mortal Kombat at one point and kung lao being a descendant of this champion had like a chip on his shoulder and he was always like trying to one-up Liu kang and Liu Kang is just like chilling out, you know. He's just like I being definitely Kang. got that from the story when he, when he's all like pissed about being a revenant and yeah. And so so Liu Kang, being like the good person he is, when he gets this power to rewrite time, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna make my friend first of all be a little bit more humble, and then <laughs> he's gonna be the champion of Mortal Kombat. And yeah, so it like completely flips it and it shifts over to to kung lao and Liu kang um and and it, it it's gonna like rewrite the entire history of mortal kombat as we know it and just, yeah mortal kombat 12 is definitely gonna be interesting because like yeah i don't know i mean like do, does the story like get up to the equivalent of like mortal kombat 11 again because like i know yeah you know they talk about like there have been nine other mortal combats and they've been won by the other realm and so they have to you know earth realm has to defeat the champion to maintain i think i think what they're gonna do is completely start over like maybe no shao khan yeah um just like original from the start with one bad guy there's just straight mortal combat i think though uh, with that being said, maybe the bad guy's going to be different. Maybe one of the good guys is going to be bad now. You know, like maybe some of the good guys, like Sonya, mm-hmm. who didn't have like special abilities, are going to have special abilities and some aren't. I you know, I think that. stuff like that is going to change. So like it's it's going to... Uh, I think it'll be it'll be interesting, and I think that's a good way to to refresh the the story. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it, and and with how 
I know they've been kind of teasing some new DLC. Like there's apparently yeah. a costume for Sub-Zero that, or no, not Sub-Zero, for Scorpion that looks like Reptile. Yeah. And so there's like speculation if Reptile is going to be an, a downloadable character. Mm. And then I think they said there was a an item or like a headband or something for Melina. So they're yeah, Ed speculating is, her likes likes to. Uh, oh yeah, I, I'm I'm aware troll. of his like troll teasing. I mean, I remember. I think it was was it Mortal Kombat ten. I think I remember him like one of the the trailers they showed for like an upcoming character. It heavily hinted at Baraka, but then when it was revealed, like a chest burster came out of his chest. And that oh. was the reveal was that it was alien. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I know, I know like that. Boone loves doing that stuff. And oh, you know, yeah. even, even to right now, I'm still that, that, that chainsaw noise from the first DLC trailer and the, the text oh. that apparently somebody found of army of darkness. Like I'm still waiting for yeah, Ash to be I a DLC character. I, I, I truly, uh, I, I truly believe that it was intended for him to be in the game but obviously like we had mentioned before with all the legal uh bullshit you know they, he wasn't able to, to yeah make it, but... with the copyright claims and everything yeah so that's kind of disappointing for sure for sure if he still doesn't make it uh by the end of the the um uh mk11's lifespan for sure he will be in the next one yeah i could definitely way. see that um but that kind of leads us into the, the next thing I do want to talk about next week is, you know, the idea of refreshing, uh, I guess you'd call them IPs, you know, intellectual property. So many things from, from playing Mortal Kombat, I was like, oh, you know, I, I want to do this and that. And so, like, I ended up watching, like, Terminator, and that's been rebooted, like, three times now. And then earlier this year... Yeah. I was watching James Bond, which had initially, you know, the Daniel Craigs were like a soft reboot, but then they ended up being a hard reboot. It just happened to be that Judy Dench was such an awesome character or awesome actress in her character that they pulled her over to the new series. So confusing, but still it became a hard reboot. Uh, but even a couple of weeks ago, uh, Netflix dropped a Transformers series and that's in its like own separate continuity. And even though it shares the name of three Transformers video games that were released 10 or 12 years ago, th like the video games are separate. The movies are separate. This Netflix series is separate. Yeah. The original eighties series is separate. Yeah. Comic books are separate. Yeah. IDW comic books. And then even, um, back in the eighties when the original G one series was running, Marvel had the comic book rights. So, you know, there, this idea that you can just keep rebooting things. I, I can't tell if it helps or hurts the property you like. I mean, obviously, you know, in situations like Mortal Kombat, this one worked out really well. Mortal Kombat 11 is, I, I would probably say probably one of the best fighting games I've ever played. It's got a great story. Yeah. It's got great characters. As we were talking last time, it's, it's a lot well of, balanced. a lot of people like, you know, a lot of people like, um, MKX more. 
I've heard that but too. I think it's just because naturally it's more fun to be able to just go in there and like play at super speed mm-hmm. because they it's it's like a common thing that that um people say that MKX is Mortal Kombat on steroids steroids because there's like the the combos are super fast right yeah. all the characters just like their their motion is is really fast um there's a run button so you can just sprint from one side of the screen to the other like in half a second Weak. like the combos the combos are super long but you know i i understand that because it would be really fun to have super long combos and you know not have your uh opponent to be able to escape them or you know counter them but also like it's a fighting game it's not just like one-sided yeah so i i think that having all the things that they added in mk11 i have to agree that it's probably one of the best you know balance wise fighting games that that have ever been made yeah i would definitely and it's weird to say because they're both they're both basically the same series. It's just different characters between injustice two and mortal Kombat 11. Those are probably the two best fighting games I've played in a very long time. And I, you know, I used to be a huge street fighter fan and Tekken Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvel versus Capcom two used to be like what I would say was like peak fighting game because it was very well balanced. It was in the arcades, the home edition you had to, play the game to unlock new characters like there was an incentive to play the game and that's yeah i definitely feel that with mortal Kombat and injustice but you gotta, adding you that gotta watch mode. uh you gotta watch uh super on youtube you gotta, okay you is that the guy you were telling me about that it's really into 10 and then did some of the 11 yeah yeah so he he uh he got really into uh into 10 and that was like his favorite uh mk and then he's been doing a lot of mk11 and he played he used to play a lot of um injustice injustice 2 Dude, those two are such good um, games and then he plays the dragon ball fighters as well i was kind of let down by that one but that that one's also said to be one of like the top fighting games i know like it's, it's supposed to i don't understand it because i never played that style like that uh, uh marvel versus capcom like craziness yeah oh yeah dude. style so i don't i can't see it yeah marvel <laughs> versus like, capcom yeah, was cool. definitely like yeah you you're switching out characters and you're doing like you know 50 right. hit blast combos and then you know if you have like um if you have Ryu, Iron Man, and Mega Man, you can do like a 200 hit damage triple combo. Yeah, I never got into that. By like stuff. pressing L and R. I mean, it was good. Three, I liked three, and then Infinite was like just a huge letdown. And I think around the time the Dragon Ball Fighters and MK, I want to say 10, came out, uh, those two knocked marvel versus capcom out of like competitive fighting game championships and marvel versus capcom used to be a staple 
And that last one was just a huge letdown. I think a lot of it was for me personally, it was just, um, it was, it was color swaps of the characters like Marvel versus Capcom three and ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three actually gave you different character skins. And then Marvel versus Capcom infinite. It was like, Oh, here's Spider-Man. And it's like, well, here's Spider-Man, but with, you know, uh, the red on his costume turned black or yes. the red on his costume turned blue. Like, but in Marvel versus Capcom three, it was, you know, here's Spider-Man, but he has, um, a Scarlet spider outfit, or he has the symbiote outfit, or he has right. the iron spider outfit, or he has the, you know, whatever he had different character costumes, not just color swaps. And that was a huge disappointment. Uh, to the point, I, I think I sold that game quick before it lost its value. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, long longevity <laughs> in properties, you know, and, and in different properties even, I think is something that's really been fascinating me lately, uh, especially, you know, things that appear in multiple forms of media. You know, Transformers has comic books, TV shows, video games, movies. Uh, Terminator has comic books, video games, TV shows, and movies, and even, you know, James Bond, when you get into the video game adaptations, some of them aren't great. GoldenEye is still one of the greatest first-person shooters of all time. Um, but it, it becomes that level of like, you know, what is what do you consider continuity? Or is there one version that's more definitive than the other? Or, you know, I... To this day, I still haven't made it through the original Transformers series because that is very much a product of its time. It, you know, it, it, it's... And it's, it's clearly intended for a more uh, younger audience. It's, they were not a serious show. It didn't deal with a lot of like things, but then you get to the movies and those are garbage. I don't know. I can't, <laughs> I can't <laughs> defend the Transformers movies. Visually, visually, I like the look of some of the Transformers, but the storyline was just terrible and there's no consistency. Um, but, you know, people like them. I like the comic books, but then you're subject to different writers, different artists. Um, sure. James Bond is the same way. There are some really good comics, and then there are some that are adaptations of novels, and then there are... I guess they haven't really done a James Bond TV show. So that mostly exists in books, movies, and comic books. But, you know, at, at, I feel like in, in, I don't know, maybe a hundred years from now, even some of those now we kind of see an oversaturation of, but it's even with James Bond, like someone's taken up writing James Bond novels that is no longer the original author, Ian Fleming. And uh, a lot of things have gone that way as well. Like uh, I know the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was continued uh, by a different artist, not artist, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was continued by a different author. And I don't know if those things count or if you just have to kind of pick your own, things like that have fascinated me, especially with watching, I watched all of the Terminator movies within the last like two weeks. And the fact that they tried to do 
like three or four different sequels to number two. Like they knew that number two yeah. was the best. Yeah. But then it was like, well, they did T3 and then they did the Sarah Connor Chronicles TV show. And then they did kind of Genesis. Genesis. I've heard, yeah. I've heard people try to describe like Genesis isn't really a sequel to two. And it's like, well, it's, garbage it's so it's just I, there it's just floating around you it, know nobody wants to claim it it's just apparently people like it <laughs> but i i think it's horribly cast there's yeah i this, agree yeah the two main characters you know whoever it is that like i, I have no idea who plays uh kyle reese and he was never meant to have that big of a role i mean in the original terminator he was literally he went back in time for one night. He protected Sarah. He died. He, you know, knocked her up and she had John. Like that was the extent of his role. But now like he's from that movie, he was supposed to be a long running character and he just seemed yeah. no chemistry with oh, Sarah. In, in, um, in um, uh, Salvation as well. They, they put him in there as well. And he had like a big role in there. Yeah. Yeah. They had him as a kid and, like he was so like you know john connor knows that he's supposed to stay alive so he tries to keep him which that was uh uh God, i can never remember his aunt anton Yel yelchiv yelkachiv mm. he was a good actor uh his his best leading role was uh charlie bartlett um great actor he he died of a weird like apparently the brakes failed on a vehicle or something and it ended up crushing him and he was super young. Um, and he was in both of the, or two of, or maybe all three of the Star Trek reboots. Um, oh, but he was, he was a really good actor, whoever, you know, in other things, but I, I, he wasn't terrible as Kyle, but yeah, giving him a bigger role or even in Genesis, like, the character of Sarah was just so poorly written that it, I don't know, it ruins it for me, but that's, we can, we can talk about that later. We've already, that's already like half the episode for next yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right. But, uh, yeah. Did you have, uh, any, uh, creator that you wanted to shout out or anything? Uh, I'm still really digging Lily Cornell Silver's, her little IG TV episodes. Yeah. Uh, but I will say there is this one YouTube channel I have really fallen down the rabbit hole for, and I've watched so many of their videos and it's what, well, it, so it started out as one guy. Uh, the channel itself is called Mr. Sunday movie. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, he, it's a dude from Australia. And at some point, I guess he added his friend to it. And the two of them just banter back and forth and they'll tend to pick like a movie. They'll watch the movie and then they'll take notes and criticize it and, or praise it. They do have some positive ones. Um, but they've also been doing a lot of like, uh, you know, Easter eggs you may not have noticed or reactions to this trailer. Like, here's what our thoughts are. And they did a lot of uh, between like the Star Wars movies coming out. They did a lot of like predictions or like recaps to stuff, but they're hilarious. They're just the two of them together, they have like really funny banter. Um, definitely really enjoy like just listening to their stuff. They do, they, 
from the understanding I've got, they do a podcast and then they'll take a segment of the podcast and they have a really badass editor and he'll throw together a video montage for it. Um, and it's just, it's something that I, I think I ended up getting into it because one of their videos was on um, the Pierce Brosnan, James Bond series. And then I ended up watching like all four of those. And then they watched all of the Transformers movies and they talked about those. They watched all of the Fantastic Four movies. They talked about those. Um, just, I don't know, they're, too, they're really funny. They're two just like really humorous, witty commentators uh, that are from Australia. And so I, I really like theirs. So it's the, the actual channel is Mr. Sunday Movies. But one of their reoccurring segments that I really like is Caravan of Garbage. And that happens to be the one where they, they do about a 10 minute review of a singular movie or a TV series or a video game. They're just, they're, they're real short and sweet and just easy to kind of get a feel for the entirety of what they're talking about. So that that's mine. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, I think with that, we're going to, uh, just about ready to end this episode. Yeah, man. We, uh, I think we're on a good timing here and I got pizza waiting for me. So I have nothing yet. You should definitely go get I something. Should get something. Yeah. <laughs> food is, food is good and important. I've been told. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I think I might've, uh, been told the same thing same thing some, yeah. Some some, yeah someone somewhere told you that food is important yeah yeah i'm yeah. uh i'm trying to limit the crappy foods i'm eating and i've been drinking so much water it's insane but yeah, good it's good for me yeah it's it's keeping my weight down and um I've, I've had to stop taking my acid reflux medication and so i've been told drinking a lot of water is good for that but my doctor tried to tell me you're supposed to drink an ounce of water for every pound you have per day. Uh, well, so for me, that would be like 180 ounces of water, which ends up being about two gallons. Yeah. Um, I cannot drink two gallons of water a day. I can drink about <laughs> half a gallon of water a day. Yeah. Um, but having talked to my wife who works for, um, you know, a wellness thing, uh, program and having talked to a buddy of mine that went to UT for sports medicine, they both agreed. They were like, no, you know, base it on, you know, body type, body weight. Um, and then like somewhere between a half a gallon to a gallon. So drinking water, it's good for me, but oh my God, so much, so much, consumption of water and so many bathroom breaks during the day <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right yeah i mean i don't i don't really got much other than you know thanks everybody for joining us and uh, okay bye <laughs> yeah <laughs> later suckers um yeah we'll be back uh i know we are at 90 total plays for our podcast so sweet we are about to have a hundred listens to the uh, right now it's one, two, three, four, five, six, the seven segments we have up 
we have 90 listeners or 90 listens. So cool. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm feeling, feeling really accomplished about this. So. Yeah. We got to keep the schedule down. Yeah. Just, you know, things come up. Uh, We've been busy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, family stuff. Things we're, in general. We're doing it. We are. We're getting we're there. We're doing it. So see you guys then and I'll, I'll talk to you later, buddy. Go get something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right man. Take it easy. Later.